Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you in spring. It's finally it, arrived. Uh, it's so warm out there. It's beautiful. I've still got a jumper on, though. Uh, you've got your sleeves rolled up. You're halfway there. <laughs> I'll be popping it off before you know You're it. ready for the beach. <laughs> Scott, what do you got planned for us today? Well, I thought we'd talk about the springiness of, it, of the world out there and deciduous trees. Uh, Fatinia is a great hedging plant. And uh, the Garden Ramble will give away a couple of free tickets for a uh, lucky caller today. Excellent. So, most polite caller or? Uh, we'll think of a criteria as we go into the... Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. I don't want to overthink it too much. No, no, no. And first up today, we've got Jane from Curry, and she's got a question about the rose. Hey, Jane, how can we help you? Yes, I was just wondering if it's too early to prune back roses. Ooh, no, it's all, it's almost too late to prune back. No, it's no, it's all okay. It's all okay. <laughs> no, no, you, look, usually you do your roses uh, in Newcastle around August time, uh, just when they're, you know, you can start to see that bud swell coming on the branches. That That's yep. how you know where you're going to prune. But yeah, just, you, we had a few frosts. And I wasn't sure. Yeah, so and that's the other thing. You have to steer clear of the frosts uh, because if you do prune, all of a sudden it promotes a whole lot of fresh new growth. And if you get a frost, it's going to burn it back. You'll get die back in the plant. Uh, So you just have to be careful about that. So look, now it's perfectly fine. Uh, I I think the the weather's going to turn. It looks fantastic out there today. And I can't imagine, you know, we're going to get too many cold nights. Had a, a window open last night. Oh, lucky you. Let, let the fresh air. It was, it was that beautiful and warm and balmy all night. <laughs> I had the cat keeping me warm as well, but we won't, we won't go there. But look, I think it, it, it is time now to prune the roses. So definitely get in and do it. Uh, you'll be able to get in find those really nice big uh, bud swells. Uh, once you've pruned your rose, make sure you spray it with uh, lime sulfur to get rid of the uh, you know any louse scale you might have up and down the branches. Yep. yep. And also seals off the ends and uh, gets rid of any sort of fungal diseases. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing to do is make sure you feed them with poultry manure uh, yeah. so they have to be in the ground to do that not in pots uh, yeah, they're all in the ground excellent so you can give them about uh, you know a third of a bag of poultry manure so that yeah. e- equals about a bucket to each one make sure you don't let it uh, go up around the uh, around the trunk of the plant you have to pull it back otherwise you get collar rot and yeah. then in two weeks time you can then give them some of that uh, you know granular uh, rose food and your, your roses will be fantastic all the way through until about February when you can give them a, a, a sort of a light summer prune then. Yeah. Yep, that'd be terrific. Okay, so grab those secateurs, Jane. Head out to the garden right now. Okay, thank okay. you. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye-bye. Jeez, thanks, Jane. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Scott, real quickly, I'm going to throw this at you. Oh, no. It's like dodgeball. Here like, we go. Here, we, here I am. <laughs> hot potato, you could have been say. Yep. Except I'm not, questions not about potatoes. Right. I, I was hoping that might have been the case, but go on. Similar. It's a root vegetable. Ginger. Yes. Easy? Yes. Very, very easy. You could almost grow that in the, uh, in the crisper in your fridge. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. It really is almost that easy. You can sit it in the not okay, not in the crisp because that's going to make it a little bit dormant. Yeah. Uh, but you can just leave it in the in the uh, you know sort of the uh, the fruit basket or the vegetable bowl or whatever you've got there. Yep. And you'll find it will actually start to shoot on you. So if you were to stick that in the ground and let it go, it will just start growing gingers right. for you. But be aware though that gingers form a really big clump. Okay. Uh, so they're a big tuberous clump in under the ground. So if you're putting them in the ground, mm-hmm. you have to put them somewhere where it's not going to take over and uh, you know get a right. bit uh, strangly on you. So don't put it next to my rose bush is what you're saying. No, don't do that. Don't expect you can plant your tomato or anything next to it. Right. Yeah. So that's, it'll take over the entire plot. It will just keep on spreading out and spreading out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, look, a very easy plant to grow. Oh. Okay. So I'll wait till it starts sprouting? Uh, yes, wait till it starts sprouting. 
Right. Yeah. You can't just whack it in. No, I wouldn't just whack it in as it is. No. <laughs> We've got Larry now from Charlestown. He's got a question about the tree fern. Larry, how, yes. can, how can we help you, mate? Um, I've got a tree fern that's uh, it's probably about a metre and a half high, two metres high. It, it's, it's sprouted in an awkward spot and I just let it keep growing and growing. But now it's kind of a bit too much for the area. So what I wanted to do is if I could take it out of there and put it into another position. Very difficult to do. So I'm thinking that by the the height of the tree fern you've got, you've got the Cooperi tree fern, which is it's the one that gets quite tall. The other one's called Dicksonii, which is a lower growing one, and it's sort of got a a really thick furry trunk. Yes, it's the it's the uh, Dicksonia. Oh, fantastic! Well, you can move that one in that case. Right. Yeah, certainly you can move that. You can actually cut the top off those if you want to and, and replant them uh, in the ground and they'll keep on sprouting for you. But so Dicksonii, yes, you can uh, dig that out and, and uh, move that. Uh, it's the Cooper eyes you can't prune or uh, try and move. They're a little bit too okay. touchy. Okay. So um, if, if I cut it and... Will the stump that's left in the in the original position will that sprout again? Yes. Yeah, so what will usually happen? It won't, it won't sprout from the top. It'll sort of just you know you get those uh, branches coming from the side of it more than anything. Yes. Yeah. So it might lose its shape a little bit over time. Okay. Yep. And when I take if I do cut it and mm-hmm. take the main stem out, what do I do with the fronds that are because there's a reasonable canopy there now? Do I remove most of those or leave them there? Yeah, look, you best actually prune those off. You know, leave a couple on there. Uh, you'll, because they'll, they'll tend to die off anyway if you're going to uh, move it and, you know, sort of stress the plant out a little bit. Uh, so make sure there's no fertilizer or anything like that because they're native plants. They don't like, uh, you know, cow manure or anything like that. So the right. most you would feed a tree fern is some blood and bone, but don't even do that in this case. Just move it uh, and just make sure that it's being well watered. You'll find some of those new green tendrils, uh, you know, to start to unfurl from the top of the plant and grow for you again. All right. Well, that's been most helpful. Thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, Larry. You have a nice afternoon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Brian from Gorican, and he's got a question about lily pillies. Brian, how can we help you with them? Yeah, g'day, Scott. Um, about a month or so ago, I asked you about a, a chopping a lily pilly, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's getting time to chop it. Yes, uh, it definitely would be. But before I do, I want to make absolutely sure that you understood the the situation it's about a meter and a half high yes and the stem has not got a twig or a leaf sticking out of it the whole way up it's just like a straight pole yeah and then it comes out like an umbrella in the top that's fine that's fine what i want to do is cut about maybe i don't know 300 off it and just cut it off so i'm going to have a bare stem and you, you sort of were confident that it would come good. And I'm, I'm equally confident now. Okay. All <laughs> yeah, right. Look, you might, you might think you're doing, you know, sort of major surgery on the plant, but uh, you, you'll cut it back and you'll find oh, two to three weeks, you'll just start seeing little buds starting to swell out of that trunk and all of a sudden it'll just take off, especially, you know, we've had a bit of rain, we might get some more, it's warming up overnight. And uh, look, I'll almost guarantee... Uh, you know, within six weeks or so that you'll just have this fuzzy sort of plant coming on again for you, nice and full right down to the ground. Okay. All right. Oh, you don't sound very confident there, uh, Brian. Come <laughs> good. Uh, that's all right. You come and find us. I'm, uh, I'm the blonde guy with uh, glasses. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> they call me okay, Greg man. sometimes. <laughs> See you, bro. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, no, we'd like to hear about that. Six weeks' time, you report back in. I just, I just hate to lose it because it's a really nice one when it, you know, like it's like a big umbrella. No, look, you, you won't lose them. You can really cut them back hard. Look, I think I might have told the story that uh, my dogs destroyed one back at my place, uh, and it's still, it's like was three inches out of the ground that they oh. uh, they left it back to, and it's coming back again at the moment for me nicely. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for your time. Okay. Good on you, Brian. Thank you. Bye. Bye. A bit of a super plant. It is a bit of a super plant, isn't it? Yeah. I hope. I, well, I hope so. I hope it doesn't find some kryptonite there in Brian, and he has to come and have a chat with you. Yeah, with me. Yeah. Sticks up me. <laughs> Under the bus. <laughs> we got Heather now from Pelican, and she needs advice on how to prune camellias. Hello, Heather. How can we help you with them? Um, hi, Scott. I was just wondering when is the best time to prune a camellia? How hard can you prune it back? Mine's probably 30 years old and probably as high as a one-storey house. Wow, that's that's enormously big. Is it? Oh, no, no. Look, it's the size of a house. It's the size of a house, yeah. No, look, that, that's a quite a large camellia. Look, I, is it one of the small-leafed ones, the Sasanqua, or is it the larger-leafed Japonica? No, I'd say, uh, oh, hang on, I'd say it's a sasanqua. Okay. So Quite look, a small leaf on it. Oh, fantastic. Look, they're a little bit more prunable than the japonicas. They are, you know, japonicas are quite prunable, but I yep. think the sasanqua, they, they just sort of regenerate and come back quicker for you. Uh, okay. So, look, you can certainly prune that. The the uh, rule of thumb with camellias is to uh, leave them until they're finished flowering, and they've certainly finished flowering now. You're probably finding you're getting some new uh, shoots coming on with the rain and, and, the, and the heat that we're getting now. But yep. look, it's certainly time. You can actually prune camellias almost all year round, except prior to flowering, because you don't want to uh, you no, know, obviously prune off no, those flowers. No. Yeah. And about how much could I take off it, do uh, you look, reckon? I would take about a third of the plant down. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Look, you probably could take a little bit more if you wanted to, uh, but what you'll find is you start to lose the shape and you get some funny, you know, growth that doesn't, uh, you know, come back as quickly as you want it to. So a third of the plant and then try and maintain it to that and just shape it nicely over time. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Good on you, Heather. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Now we've got Carrie now from Cessnock, and she's got questions about the frangipani and the rose. Wow. Two divergent plants. Carrie, how can we help you? Um, my frangipani lost all its leaves and everything through the frost, and I'm trying to work out how to get it to re-establish. Yeah, look, the great thing with frangipanis is they, they will handle that, uh, and it will come back for you. I mean, they're naturally a deciduous tree in Newcastle anyway. What you'll find, though, with the frost uh, up at Cessnock, where you are, is that the tips of the branches actually will die back a little bit. Yep. Uh, so you have to be careful. You, look, there's nothing you can do about it, so it's no use being careful about it. Uh, what will happen is you'll find that just those those black end, those ends might just blacken off and die back, but then you'll find what happens is that the branches come from below that again. Yep. Um, however, if they haven't blackened off and if it has somehow survived through that, uh, all, all will be well and it will just con- continue to grow as usual. Uh, but look, don't be concerned. I think with the rain we've had, the as we just said, the uh, increasing temperatures, a frangipani being a tropical plant will start to come good for you anyway. Okay, my yeah. other question yeah. for the rose is, I keep getting these little yellow flying things on the leaves and they're leaving black dots and I've sprayed them with um, oil and I've also put safe suds on them because that's what somebody else told me to do. But I'm still getting these little yellow fly things on the on the leaves, and they're turning them black. Yeah, look, I'd probably get a, a, some sort of insecticide. Uh, pyrethrum would be a nice one to use. It's nice and safe. It's not going to harm uh, you know too much out there. 
okay. and, and just give them a spray, those little uh, yellow uh, sort of aphid insects when you see them around. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, you know, most chemicals you use like that are a contact spray. It's not like it sort of sits on the plant and, uh, and you know, when the, the insect lands, it actually, uh, you know, goes onto it. You'd actually have to contact the insect. Uh, okay. That's why using the soap sud uh, trick can work. It can, you know, create a uh, protective barrier um, for yep. the plant. But obviously these guys, um, you know, they're saying no to that. They're snubbing, they're, they're turning up their nose to your soap suds. <laughs> so, so I'd probably uh, turn up, uh, you know, the heat on them a little bit and yep. uh, just get some pyrethrum spray, nice and safe to use. Obviously, when there's bees around, try and leave those little guys alone. And, okay, uh, then, thank you very well. much. Okay, thank you for that, Kerry. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Scott from Bullwara Heights, and he's got a question about the avocado tree. Scott, how are you going? Well, thanks, mate. How are you? Pretty well. Look, I'd have to say, mate, regardless of your politics, you, me, and ScoMo, we must be feeling pretty good about ourselves. Scots have risen to the top job in this country for the first yeah, time. pretty special. It is. <laughs> I'll pretend Please. I didn't hear yeah. that. <laughs> Scots of the world unite. Uh, uh, I have an avocado tree. It's um, it's two years old, and it was, was about four foot tall. Yes. Um, I had to die back down the main stem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it went black, and I chopped it off about um, six weeks ago. Um, and then, yeah, I chopped it back again because it travelled another about six inches yep. um, yesterday. But, um, yeah, I've sort of forked it around it um, and, and added a bit of sand on the weekend but um, yeah with all the dry weather um, I didn't think it would have been to do with moisture but yeah yeah look I, you feel me in? I think it's been the cold that we've had uh, you know we've had some westerly winds uh, we've had a couple of people talking about frosts that, you know that they've had so that, you know they've left their uh, uh, you know they're pruning their roses till late and I think where, where are you at mate? At Bora Heights. Yeah, so okay. I, okay. I've I look, had um, shade cloth around it to protect it from the wind and that. But Yeah, yeah. I'd look, obviously they're a tropical plant. They will grow down here and, and grow quite successfully, but they don't like going through winters. So if it's only a young plant, uh, you know, it's going to be far more susceptible to the cold. Uh, once they're established, after a couple of years, they'll do just fine for you. Uh, mate, okay. all, all I would do is just keep on watering it at this point. No, uh, you know, no fertilizer or anything. That's going to stress the plant out even more. Uh, so just make sure it's being well watered and cross your fingers that, uh, you know, the warm weather that we've got coming on now and the bit of rain we've had, uh, we'll just you know spring it on for you. It's probably going to come out a funny shape if it does reshoot. Uh, you won't have yeah. that main leader, but over time, you know, don't worry about that. It'll turn into a nice tree for you. So, okay. really, just time is going to be the thing and, and water for it. Yeah, and then next winter, sort of enclose it as much as I can to protect it. Yeah, again, if you know there's going to be a cold yeah. night, a frost, uh, you know, try and uh, put something over the top of it. Um, you know, an old sheet or something if you need to. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, and it, when we get those westerly winds, make sure that it's being well watered at that time because that's when a plant will dry out. Okay. Thank okay. you very much. Okay. Good on you, Scott. We'll take over the world yeah. one day, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who says we don't have any friends? Ah, absolutely. <laughs> friends. Oh, <laughs> oh, thanks for that. <laughs> See you, Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Oh, that's a beauty. Well, at least you're in charge for, what, six weeks? Then yeah, yeah, I don't coming. think we're in charge for too long, but uh, anyway, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> it's Guarding Talk back on to a new RFM. Helen's our next caller from Madawi, and she's got a question about the pine tree. Helen, how can we help you with it? Hi, right, so I've got a Wallamai pine tree that I've got, you know, when I had the little sapling? Yes. So he's now over six feet tall, but it's still in a pot. Okay, that, that's good news. That's good news. Keep talking. 
I want to transplant it somewhere, and I don't know whether it needs protection or does it have to go under another tree or... What do I do with it? Yeah, look, I've, I've seen them grow in, in a variety of different places and, and it's always sort of made me wonder how they almost became extinct. But I, I think the best thing to do is give them some sort of protection. Uh, you know, if you can get them, uh, you know, sort of dappled afternoon sun is a, good, is a good spot for them. And obviously they don't like being out in the wind and getting a blast of, the, you know, really cold or, you know, westerly wind. So uh, a, a slightly protected position, most certainly. Um, make sure that the uh, the mix that you're using is nice and rich. They seem to like a nice uh, sort of peaty, um, rich mix. Uh, there was a specific uh, mix that you could get for it, but at this point in time, I, I don't know if it's still available. Uh, I'd just go and get a, a very good potting mix or garden soil and mix that into the uh, into the existing soil you're going to plant it in. I've been planting it up each year or each couple of years and I've been using that native potting mix. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good idea um, using the native potting mix. It's a nice, safe, it's got no fertilisers, um, you know, that's going to harm the plant. So I'd, uh, you know, probably go get, you know, three bags, two bags of that mix, dig it back in the soil that you're going to plant it in and uh, and then go go from there. Make sure you're not fertilising it with cow manure or poultry manure. It won't like that at all. Uh, no, I only use a native... Soil. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, and look, sea salt is great for the root system of the plant, so keep on doing that. Um, but again, blood and bone, be a nice, safe fertiliser for it if you've got it in the ground and it's growing. Okay, so okay. it needs to be in a protected area. I, I would think so. Try and get it out of that, you know, really scorching afternoon uh, sun. So, you know, you might put it adjacent to a larger tree, you know, uh, you know, sort of on the eastern side of a larger tree, so it just gets some dappled sunlight, uh, you know, during the, the really hot uh, summer months. Okay, thank you. The other quick question is: yes. time of year to prune? Um, oh, what do you call it? I've forgotten what the uh, name is. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that that one either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, if you, if it come if it comes to you, Helen, give us a call back and we'll talk to you about it. Okay, thanks very much okay. for your help. Okay, have a nice afternoon. Bye bye. Cheers, thanks, Bye. Helen. We've got Lynn now from Western. Lynn, how can we help you? Um, I've got a couple of rhododendrons yes. that are in beautiful bud at the moment. Can I feed them camellia feed? Look, the, the rule of thumb is when something's in flower like that, uh, you actually wouldn't feed it. Um, it's okay. absorbing too much up and would uh, probably you know, burn the flowers off and harm it in some way. Oh, okay. Um, so, look, I, I would just leave it alone. Once it's finished flowering, then it's, it's fine to give it some camellia food. Okay. Okay, okay. good you. that you've got rhodos. They're a beautiful flower. I've got two, a mauvey one and a red one, and they're absolutely beautiful. Oh, very nice. Look, and yeah. the, the other thing they do get is red spider. They're a bit like azaleas, so you just have to be a bit yeah. watchful about that. In touch would have been pretty lucky. haven't had anything yet. But uh, nice work. Yeah, I got them. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Lynn. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Terry from Blackalls Park, and he's got a question about the mulberry tree. Hey, Terry, you got a mulberry tree? Yeah, Scott. Yeah, yeah, mate. Uh, look, it's only about three or four year old. Okay. It's grown got nice bulbies. Like I've stuck in him about three or four years ago. And it's getting all these pesky fruit flies over and the kids love getting them, you know, or a whole neighbourhood gets in on. The woman took some home last year to make a mulberry pie and it was 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 crawling around the next day. Oh. So how do you, how, how can I fit the fruit flies on? Yeah, fruit, look, fruit flies one of those really, really difficult things to keep under control here in Newcastle. Uh, mate, it gets into people's stone fruit, gets into their tomatoes, uh, you know, it gets into pretty much anything that's got a nice soft skin. 
the the only way to do it is to have a two-pronged attack uh, and you need to spray uh, when they're prevalent and you need to trap as well. So there's little traps you can go and buy or there are other, you can make up a trap as well. And I'll tell you how to do that. You get one of those sort of plastic containers you might get your uh, takeaway food in and you put a couple of holes in that, one big enough for the fruit fly that can fly in, and you hang those in your tree. Now, what you put inside there is some uh, Vegemite and some Malathon, and you mix that together into sort of a bit of a, a paste. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be sloppy or anything like that, just a bit of a paste all mixed in there. That, um, that Vegemite actually attracts the fruit fly in there, the female fruit fly. She comes in, goes, aha, something to eat. But when she has a, a chomp on it, there's actually the malathon in there as well. So that kills it and it really works a treat. We have a lot of people ringing back saying they've had great success with it. Uh, the other thing you have to do is, is spray. So with some pyrethrum spray, uh, you know, when you see fruit fly around, just go out and sort of have a, a bit of a general spray. Uh, make sure there's no bees around again, mate. That's always the, uh, the main proviso that we, oh, we're going yeah. on about here. Um, I've got a great box. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I, if you've got, I think probably the best way for you is to try and trap, um, you know, using that, uh, you know, that mixture that we just talked about. What was it, Vegemite and, and Malathon? It's an insecticide Malathon. you can get. Yeah. Malathon. Okay. Okay. So yeah, don't. It's not. You don't want a really sort of sloppy paste. Just enough in there that it's mixed in there. Um, so that's now like water. You don't mix it up like water. No, definitely not like water. Um, I'm trying to think of consistency, but I'm not having um, um, like a porridgey sort of um, consistency. I guess. Oh no. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For those out there who remember eating porridge back in the day, uh, and, and that that's about enough in that um, container. Just a hole in there, big enough that the fruit fly can get in, and you'll find you'll be they'll be in there eating it, and you'll just be emptying it out all the time. Malathon. Yep. Is that M A W L. Yep. And the uh, and the uh, Vegemite. Malathon, M-A-L-L-A-T-H-O-N. Almost like marathon, but malathon. Where would I get that from? Mate, you should be able to get that at any independent garden centre. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, right? Not a worry, Terry. Thank you very much for the call, mate. I've seen you at Blackberry Fly. Very nice, but without the fruit fly in there. Thanks, Scott. Okay, cheers. Have a nice afternoon. Now, Scott, this weekend... Maitland Garden Ramble. It is the Maitland Garden Ramble this week. And remember, if you call up today, you we're going to give away a couple of free tickets. We gave away a few last week and we've got a few more. We have got some more to give away. So spares. Yeah, we're going to do that. Uh, look, yeah, Maitland Garden Ramble. I reckon it, it is the premier event here in uh, the Hunter Valley for, right. for gardening. Gardening-wise? It really is. Number so, one. Number one. N- numero uno. <laughs> It's on this weekend, 15th and 16th. The great thing about the Maitland Garden Ramble is that everything... All the profits go to Vision Australia. So that's a, a really fantastic cause. Yep. Uh, and it's all organised by the Maitland Black and White Committee. It's just a, a small group of fundraisers up there and they do a fantastic job. So they earn, uh, sorry, they they, uh, they um, create a lot of, uh, you know, money for the uh, Vision Australia. It's a fantastic cause to get involved with. Uh, look, these gardens are really beautiful. They've got about eight again in total this year. Uh, hopefully this rain that we've had is really helping them out. Yep. Uh, so well, now the rain and the sun coming out, everything should be 
I hope so for Everything them. Everything should be popping. Yeah, it has been so dry for them. So I, I really ho- uh, hope that uh, you know that uh, they're going to do really, really well this coming weekend. Look, there are tickets available. Uh, it's for this Saturday and Sunday, we say again. Uh, you can get those tickets from the Maitland Visitor Information Centre, Heritage Gardens, uh, Bowara Cafe. I've got that yep. one out there. <laughs> uh, Sharp's Nursery at Bar Beach. Uh, Poppy's Nursery at Gateshead. You can get them on the day or online. There is a bus that goes around as well. Uh, but you have to get in touch with the Maitland Visitors Centre about that and I'm, it's pretty limited ticket so you have to get in very quickly if you wanted to go around on the bus. Getting quick sticks. It's a nice idea though, isn't it? Oh, look, it is. And and look, it's one of those things you can do it over a couple of days if you want to. You don't have to sort of yep. rush around and see the full eight gardens. Uh, you know, you can just do four one day, four the next day. Could yep. you pop on a bike and go for a cycle around? I reckon you could probably do that actually. I, I saw the map earlier on. Mm-hmm. And they are sort of in the same area, so it could be that you know you uh, you know ride your bike or take your bike to a certain place. Yep. Jump on, and off you go. Have a bit of a pedal, and yeah, it'd be a very nice way to get around, wouldn't it? Soak up the atmosphere of the gardens. It certainly would be. Yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about parking either. You just True. pedal straight into someone's front yard and throw the bike down. Maybe won't throw the no, bike down. No, no, you, you might be a little bit more uh, you know respectful than that, but I think that'd be a fantastic <laughs> idea. Maybe you and I should do that next year. Maybe. We should conduct our own tour. Can we get a tandem bike, those two tandem ones? We could do that, couldn't we? We'd take people around on a bike tour of the gardens. Imagine that, just 10 of us, all on a big 10-seater oh, bike. Yes, that's, yeah. what I, that's what I meant. Like do, Yeah, like in the Three Stooges. They yeah. Were, yeah, it'd be like us. Yeah. Two well, stu- opening credits of the goodies or something. Yeah, something like that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we've got time for a few more calls, and we've got Pat from Summerland Points, and he's got a question about a mock orange tree. Pat, how can we help you with it? Hi, Scott. I've got a mock orange, a uh, pretty old one, and it is head to toe in fungus. Right, okay. Now, when you, say mock, when you say mock orange, which one have you got? Have you got the choisy or Morea? Uh, don't swear at me, Scott. Oh, it, okay. It's got I'm a white flower on it, is all I know. It's been oh. there for a very long time. Oh, no, they, they both have that. But look, that doesn't matter too much. I, I didn't mean to confuse you like that. Um, the great thing about, uh, you know, whatever, you know, uh, fungus, whatever plant it is, you've got some sort of fungal disease on there. So you need to get a product called copper oxychloride right. and give it a spray with that. You could also use, there's another product called Mancozeb Plus as well. Uh, but the copper spray is probably the best. It leaves a uh, little blue coating over the plant for a while, so it'll protect it. Uh, mate, again, it's you know do it, but you probably have to do it again in about a week's time just to make sure uh, you know it's getting it under control. Mist it all in through the plant. If it rains, uh, you'd have to start again and, and go over. That's why I'm saying you know do it once and then do it again in about a week's time. Fine. Uh, can I shape it or prune it? it what it is is a, 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 about a foot diameter of stalks mm-hmm. out of the ground yes would that be the normal thing for a mock orange uh, it's a very old tree but it's uh higgly piggly uh, yes so you certainly can shape that um look if it's maria it's a pretty hard old timber to actually cut so uh yeah make sure you've got your chainsaw or some nice sharp loppers but uh, you can certainly give that a really hard prune especially at this time of year you might have noticed after the rain and the increasing warmth that you're just starting to see new little green shoots coming out in the end yeah, so look, yeah, if you want to go hard with it, you can certainly do that at this time of year. Now, now to prune it now. Yeah, so I'd prune first and then give it a spray with the uh, copper oxychloride. Thank you very much. Okay, you have a nice afternoon, Pat. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Scott, I think we've got time for one more caller, and it's Barry from Jesmond, and he's got a question about the magnolia. How can we help you, Barry? Oh, how are you, Scott? Yeah, pretty well, mate, pretty oh. well. I've got a uh, magnolia. It's probably about two and a half years old. It's probably six or seven feet high. Yes. <clears throat> and I don't. I get 
half a dozen leaves on it every year, but I never get any flowers on it. <clears throat> I've been feeding it. I've given it some uh, potash and I've given it some cow manure. I've, I've done all sorts of things, but it doesn't want to flower. Got any suggestions? Now, tell me, which magnolia have you got? Is it the deciduous one or the evergreen one? The Felix. 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 Ah, now that sounds like uh, some sort of deciduous one, so it would have lost all its leaves and then, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you get the flowers on it. Yeah. Uh, look, the only, uh, you're doing all the right things. Uh, sometimes, you know, th that's nature. I noticed that the magnolias haven't been as great this year as they have been in the past. You've only got a young plant as well, so don't expect it to, you know, go great, um, you know, gangbusters at the moment flowering. Oh, yeah. uh, but I would just keep <coughs> on feeding and watering especially, you know, around the start of August, you'd really water then, even though the plant's dormant, uh, you yep. still keep on watering it because the sap's starting to flow up through the plant. It needs moisture. And, and we did, we were particularly dry and particularly, uh, uh, you know, those winds we had at that time as well. You have to be careful then. So at the start of yep. August, I would just make sure you're uh, watering the plant well so that it's really moist around the root ball. And uh, hopefully next year, the plant will be a bit older. Uh, you've been feeding it, doing all the right things throughout the year. Uh, give it a good, good dose of water at that time and we'll see what happens for you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Barry. We'll talk to you then. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. Cheers. Thanks, Barry. Scott Sharp, we're nearly out of time for another week and should work out who these tickets are going to go should to. Should we work the tickets? I mean, and look, how's the bias meter going to go here? Oh, I think... I don't want to know how bad the bias meter is going to go. Is it... Is, will I get in trouble if I'm overly biased? It depends. How, well, no, I don't think so. Okay. I, I think the ticket today... Yep. The the two tickets to the uh, Maitland Garden Ramble should go to Scott. <laughs> what from, a surprise. From Bowara Heights, having this, trouble with his avocado. No, look, I, this I, is I, shocking. No, I, I feel sorry for, for Scott. He's having a lot of trouble with his avocado tree, and he needs to be, you know... Inspired. Inspired, buoyed up. Uh, he, he needs to win something, because the Scots aren't going to win elections come <laughs> next year, I'm pretty sure. But let's not go down that path too far. So one Scott needs to win at least something. Fair enough. So okay. Scott from Bulwara Heights, yep. double pass to Maitland Garden Ramble. Good on him. Good on you, Scott. Go, Scots. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Thank you. I will catch you next week. We'll take over the world. <laughs> Let's hope that's not the case. Gardening Talkback will be back again next Monday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.